got my, uh, my clip was missing. If you've seen a little metal clip, it's about that long and it's got a twist on the end of it. I've lost a metal clip that holds my microphone onto the side, but maybe we'll, we're going to be okay, Jimmy? Test one, two. Is it all right? Pablo, you got me? Pablo's good. If I need to go to the mic, I will, Jimmy. We're good. Okay. So we are in the Olivet Discourse, and uh, I, I do want to tell you the, uh, the, the Father's Day Sermon, the Mother's Day Sermon, the Children's Day Sermon, they all build and uh, they all work towards the responsibility of a man and a woman to raise their children and then the responsibility that the children have. And uh, I think we can. I think we can post the Mother's Day and Father's Day message uh, on our website and maybe on Facebook. And uh, maybe we can do that this week. If you miss one of those, they're all tied together. And so we'll try to have those posted this week that you might, uh, you might be able to catch up on those. So we are in the Olivet Discourse. We're talking about the return of Christ. The Mount of Olives, uh, just south of Jerusalem, uh, as Jesus left Jerusalem for the last time, he went up on the summit of, of the Mount of Olives and he stopped and he gave us the Olivet Discourse. And we're talking about in chapters 24 and chapter 25. It's pretty amazing and we'll look at this really closely next time we get together. He, he uses a few verses to talk about what's going on in Jerusalem and what he's talking about at the end of time. And then he, he spends the way majority of the two chapters talking about this point. Be ready. So next week, or the next time that I preach from this subject, we're going to really be getting into that be ready. So let's look at the scripture one, one more time. I would title, this is the third uh, title of actually the return of Christ. And it's the lesson of the fig tree. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Did you see the stability there? is in the God's Word, and God's Word is firm. It will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will stand. Verse 36, But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels or heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. I was looking at this week, and I saw some commentary about people say, well, you may not know the day and the hour, but you can know the year and the month and the week. And it, it's just amazing to me that people think they have to get figured out what Jesus says is not going to happen. And how many people have made fools of themselves? How many different cults and, and religious groups have made fools of themselves of thinking that they had that day down when it was going to happen? So what we hear, have here are the clear words of the Lord Jesus himself describing the most mon monumental event of all times. Not his birth, not his ascension, but his return. That is going to be the most monumental event to ever happen or that will ever happen. 
Now, for 2,000 years, what have we been looking forward to? He left, and what were we told to do when he left? Watch, because he's what? He's going to come again. For 2,000 years, that's what we've been doing. It hasn't happened yet, right? But if God said it was going to happen, is it going to happen? It's going to happen. We just need not to lose sight of that. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13 speaks about being prepared. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. How about this? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. When? In the present age. Why would we do that? Look at verse 13. Waiting, watching for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming again. So we are to live righteous lives motivated by our continual expectation of His imminent, sudden, and bodily return. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. We look at Jesus coming, we look at and we look for Jesus coming with power and glory. And we looked about power and glory a couple of weeks ago. We've looked at what we should be doing. Waiting, looking, anticipating, expecting His sudden return. I spent some time in the last two or three days with, with a lost person. And so Jeannie and I were uh, discussing uh, how can this person be so unconcerned. I, I, I kind of like that word, careless, unconcerned. And, and, and Jeannie said, I think mo- most people just think that we're going to die and that's it. What have they not read? Yeah, they have not read Luke the 16th chapter. Okay, that, that, is, that is not true. We will die. We will face God in judgment. And, and we just need to pray for those people. We just read about Lydia this week. What's the scripture say that we read about Lydia this week? God opened her heart. If God doesn't open their heart, if God doesn't open those minds, their minds, those people are going to hell. We need to pray for God to open their minds and hearts. You remember how curious the disciples were? He had told them, I'm going to leave Jerusalem. I'm not going to come back again. And as they were leaving Jerusalem, they said, how about this magnificent temple? And, you know, Jesus said, hey, that temple's going to be destroyed. So then they got up on the Mount of Olives and they asked him a question in verse 3. I think you have it before you there. No, you don't have that one before you, but let me read verse 3 to you. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, When will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? That was the question. We've looked at that. We'll continue to look at. What would be the sign of the destruction of Jerusalem, of His coming, of the end of the world? How will we know when that's going to happen? And we've already found out there's some things we should keep in our mind as we wait for the Lord to return again. Do not be led astray. It's going to happen. Do not be alarmed when things go bad. It's going to happen. Be ready, seeking holiness and godliness. And be ready, looking for His sudden, imminent, and bodily return. That's all we can do. 
live lives of godliness and holiness, witnessing to our family, witnessing and evangelizing and discipling our family, waiting for His return. Now, what have we seen so far in this chapter? We found out that our, our assurance of our salvation depends more upon the work of God and His keeping than in ourselves. So we can have assurance in our salvation. We have decided that we are going to look for a sudden event. And in verses 29 through 31, we saw Christ coming and talking about the last judgment. Revelation 1-7 says, Behold, He is coming with the clouds. Are you all listening to these scriptures? And every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will well on account of Him. Even so, amen, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. All those that have not embraced Christ and are not anticipating His return will mourn and be fearful at His coming. It's going to be a fearful thing for the Lord Jesus Christ to return and for a person who's not a follower. It's going to be a fearful thing. Matter of fact, people are going to die from fear when all of these things begin to happen. And then in Luke, in his account, he tells us something we ought to do on a daily basis. On a daily basis, at least, at least once a day, we ought to glance up. And what would that glancing up be an indication of? That we're looking for His return. Just doing something to remind ourselves He's coming again. Wouldn't it be something to be here when He comes back? Now, we're all thinking we're not going to be here. Brother Bob's 90. And 62 years today married to the same woman. Is that right? Wow. That's two milestones, huh? What, what a wonderful example Brother Bob and Linda has set before us. Brother Bob is thinking, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Could though, couldn't it? Probably not, but it could. So, we need to be ready. So, let's, let's look at the scripture that we've looked at this morning and look at it in a little detail. Verse 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. So, when you see a fig tree, when you, when you start seeing those little squiggly trees, uh, those little squiggly trees that's got all that yellow pollen, and when you see little trees that's got buds on them today, it doesn't have to be a fig tree. When, when things begin to put on new growth, we know that what's coming? Summer's coming. Hey, aren't you glad that June the 21st or 22nd came? The first day of summer? Did you know that's also the longest lit day, the most daylight hours, most daylight minutes of the day? We've already had it. So instead of getting days longer, the days are already getting shorter. Then that tells us what's coming. Fall and winter. And we're glad when it's 100 degrees outside with 114 heat index. We're glad to know those things. It's just common sense. So in like manner, when you see these things happening, the kingdom of God is upon us. And we've read about some of these things, and we'll continue to look at them today. He has told them about the destruction of Jerusalem and about the end of times. And just as the signs of the fig tree tells them that summer is coming, the Lord is also coming, and we need to be expecting Him. So, do you know what 
is just as, just as determined and just as certain as when the fig tree puts out its bud that the summer is coming. Everything that's going on in this world is just a sign that's telling us it's just as certain that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. Now, I don't know of any Christian that it had been left up to us, we would have already come back. We would have already put a stop to the craziness. But it's not up to us, is it? It's up to the Lord. But it is certain. These things must be. He told them the destruction of Jerusalem, the abomination in the temple, the end times, the tribulations, the happenings in the heavens, the sign of the Son of Man, the trumpet must happen. Why must it happen? Because Christ has ordained it to happen. He has already set the day for it to happen. These signs promote and proclaim and promote and, and, and just put it out towards us that His turn, return is going to happen. Look at verse 34. Now this gets pretty specifically, in my opinion, some of the people don't see it this way. Verse 34, truly I say to you, now who's speaking these words? Lord Jesus Christ, where's he at? He's on the Mount of Olives, right? It's just a few days before his what? Don't forget now, we are just a few days before his death. Are you with me? These are some of his last words. He says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. This generation shall not pass till all these things are fulfilled. I believe our Savior here means that the men were at that time in the world, at His time, some of those would still be alive at the destruction of Jerusalem. So I think He was speaking of that specific time. Those who were at that time living would not all die until all of these things with the destruction of Jerusalem was going to happen. So what is this referring to? It has to be speaking to the destruction of Jerusalem. That was the only time it could happen with and be determined to be. Considering that the destruction of Jerusalem was in 40 years from this time. Within 40 years it happened. After our Savior speaking these words. And many alive at the time of Jesus' words on the Mount of Olives would be alive to see the destruction of Jerusalem. Were they not? They were. Verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Lord is confirming the truth of what He had said. Are you with me? My word is established. Heaven and earth is not established. It will pass away. But my word is established. And I said it was going to happen. It will happen. Listen to 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. But the day of who? You know the day we're talking about? The day when the Lord returns. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. All of the parables are going to lead up, and, up until this thought. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. Are you hearing this? The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That day is coming. Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in our lives of holiness and godliness? Does this sound like Titus? 
Verse 12, waiting, watching for the hastening and the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will see set on fire and dissolved. Can you imagine? And the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for what? New heavens and a new earth. Listen to this. Where we will dwell and which, which righteousness dwells because God will dwell where, there with us. Is that not amazing? That's going to happen. You remember how abiding and, and stable and established the things in heavens were? You, you remember that scripture in Psalms uh, chapter 4, I think. Uh, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. You remember that scripture? Who set it in place? God did. That moon and stars that he set in place, one of these days will be no more. We looked at this a little bit last week. Why won't we need the sun? Because Christ is the light of the world and we won't need any light when he comes. The moon and the stars will be no more. They were stable at one time, but when Christ comes again, they'll be dissolved. But still assuring us that the promise of the old heavens and the earth passing away, it's going to happen. I mean, I mean, all of us could have a little bit of a deer in a headlight look, couldn't we, this morning? That's, that's almost unbelievable. But to have new, you've got to do away with the old, right? It's going to happen. Verse 36, now we, 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 we obviously change, and we'll look more at this next week, we obviously change thinking here, right? Look at verse 34 again. Verse 34 says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now we look at verse 36, but concerning that day and that hour, no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. So now we're talking about another day. We're talking about a day in the future when the Lord returns. That's the day that we're talking about then, now. Of that day and hour when the heavens and the earth will pass away, the end of the world. Remember, he's answering the question, when will all this take place? And he says, no man knows. Listen, the angels do not even know. Now think about that for a second. Do you think the angels are in a pretty special spot up there? Yeah, they're spiritual beings, right? And, and look, not only that, but when he comes, they're going to go with him to fetch God's people. Remember, they're going to go to the, the far corners of the world, right? The angels don't even know. No man knows this day and hour. It's a piece of knowledge that the Lord has kept to himself. What an humbling of the curiosity of man that we don't have any way of knowing. So we just need to live in expectations of it. So what can we do while we wait? Is that not a good question? Because all we're doing is right. We, think about this. This is pretty sad. We're waiting to die or we're waiting for the Lord to come again, right? But aren't we glad that he gave us something to do in the meantime? What is the chief purpose of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's what we get to do until He comes. That's what we get to do until we die. 
and then we'll go to be with Him. Amen? So, what can we do while we wait? Know that Christ is coming with power and great glory. It is going to happen. Remember, I told you, it's going to happen. It will be the consummation of the Lord that the Lord has planned since the foundation of the world. This has been planned. A new heaven and a new earth where all the saints will dwell together. Now think about that for a second. All the saints, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles that have been gone, but you know without a doubt they were followers of Christ. We're going to dwell with them there forever. Revelation 7, 9 has to be one of my favorite. After this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Won't that be a glorious day? Can anybody fathom that? Can anybody imagine that? So, we have some practical application of the foregoing prediction. We must expect that it's going to happen. Verse 32 again. From the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that He is near. At the very gates, we don't know how close the Lord is. We need to understand the signs of the times. We need to compare them with the predictions of the Word of God. We need to see who is at the door. And we need to see that all that this fig tree represents, its budding and blossoming are a sure sign of summer. God's, listen now, God's fulfillment of prophecy will have an end. Just as there's signs in the sky, I love this scripture, Matthew 16, 3. Have you ever seen this before? And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. So, uh, how's the little ditty go? Uh, red in the morning, sailor take warning, red at night, sailor delight. You've never heard that? Well, this is it right here. Matthew 16, 13. So, just as we can interpret things by looking at the signs in the sky, we can interpret things that are going on that would have us to know that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. Now, has it been imminent for 2,000 years? Yeah, it has. Now, how, how can we put all that together? Well, we can't. But we, the people that are living... Have, must live in expectation that his return is what? Our, our, my grandfather, my great-grandfather's way on back. Even, we're going to look at a scripture in 2 Thessalonians, just a second. The people that came after Christ, they were, when he left, they, they thought he was going to be gone a few days. And he'd be back. The things revealed must shortly come to pass. That's the way we've got to live. Do you, see not, do you not see the wording? We, we've got to see all of this and think that they must shortly come to pass. That's the only way we can be ready. I, I, 
the whole time that we've been on this series, I've been thinking about unconcerned, okay, and careless. There's just so many people that are unconcerned about it happening are careless about their lives. We can't live that way. Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. Okay, this is, this is the writing of John. Uh, some, uh, oh, 60 or 70 years after these writings of the Lord Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants, the things that must what? Soon take place. That was the expectation, that it would soon take place. That's the way that they had to live. That's how every generation since then have had to live, in expectations that he was coming, orderly as appointed, but near. So what are we to expect? Number one, Christ says these things are certain. Verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Psalm 102, 25 and 26. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Sounds just like Psalms uh, 3 or 4. They perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. And when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, the heavens and earth that we know them will have passed away. But look at these words. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flowers falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Luke 16, 17. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. God is going to keep his word. God says as he's coming soon, we must believe it. Now, surely does it appear that these prophecies have been delayed. Seems as if they've been delayed to us, do they not? But have they been delayed in God's eyes? We're going to look at that. Not one bit. We might be misled by current events. If things are really bad, what's all the people thinking? He's got, he's got to be coming. If things are good, we may have a great revival, right? It's just a determination of, of what the times and current events are. But does anybody believe that the Word of God has failed? Is He coming? Do we act like we believe that? Yet in God's time, which is the best time, it's going to happen. Matthew Henry says this, God's way, which is the best way, shall certainly be fulfilled. He is going to return. Every word of Christ is sure. So what's the first thing we need to see? God, or Christ says, these coming events are certain to take place. Number two, here's what Christ says about the when. The when will they occur? Verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. That's one event. Verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, 
not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So here he is instructing us to the time of these happenings. We're talking about two different events. One, the destruction of Jerusalem. One, the Lord Jesus Christ coming at the end. The Tata, that's strong concordance word number 5023, means the now. So what's going to happen? Jesus is speaking. What's going to happen right now? What's going to happen with Jerusalem? And it's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. So he's talking about this generation. That's pretty soon. But the, the meta, the meta, is Strong's 3326. It concerns that day or hour, the what will happen later on, not yet, but soon. Are you with me with this scripture? Some of it was going to happen immediately. Some of it was going to happen at a later time. Did it happen that way? It happened that way. Now, maybe that thinking helps it clear up a little bit to you. What did Spurgeon tell us early on in his seeing of this scripture? And, and I, I tell you, if you just read chapter 24... And read it over and over again. You with me? Read it over and over again. Are you not going to think Jerusalem, the end of time? Jerusalem, the end of time? He, he kind of uh, says it. It seems early on in the scripture, it goes back and forth, but talking about the end of Jerusalem and the end of time. So as I go through it, I'm thinking about all of these things, and it seems that way to me. But here's what Christ says about the wind. We've looked at verse 36 and we've looked at verse 34. So, let's think about this. Two things. As to the things that are going to happen, you remember we talked about the wars and rumors of war and the bad things happening and all of those things, the, the seductions, the persecution, the ruin of the Jewish nation. This generation shall not pass away till all these things are fulfilled. They will see Jerusalem destroyed. The Jewish church, the sacrificial system is brought to an end. He backs it up. What's he say here? Truly I say to you, this is going to happen. And so Christ is speaking to the nearest of the desolation of Jerusalem. And he was just telling those people right then, it's going to happen quickly. Some of this generation will see it happen. So he desires that they be ready. So that's what's going to happen immediately. But we're past that, are we not? How many years we passed the destruction of Jerusalem? 1,900 plus years. We're a ways past. But here's what we really want to talk about this morning. But as to that day and hour, that day and hour, no man knows. No man knows. Verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. So, we ought not fret over not doing the day. What, what, what do we need to think about? It's going to happen. It may happen in my lifetime. It may not happen in my lifetime. But if I'm not, if, if I'm not prepared, who am I not going to get prepared? The next generation. Now look, I, I tell you what's really been on me this week about this. So, you know, we're not just talking about our kids. We're talking about grandkids. 
We're talking about great-grandkids. And we've, we've heard all kinds of discussion about Christianity can be lost in one generation. One generation, gone. Because people didn't take seriously the evangelism and the discipleship of their children that this end is not the end. This earth is not the end. There's something else. Heaven and hell. There is a certain day and an hour fixed for the judgment to come. Did you know God's not up there trying to figure out when to come? It's fixed. Just like all the other judgments of God are fixed. And when that day comes, He's coming. It's called the day of the Lord. This is called the Lord's day. That's called the day of the Lord when He returns. It is unalterably fixed. Number two, that day and hour are a great secret. It is by God's wisdom hidden. Now that just makes sense. If if we had known since this time the day he was coming back, tell me about carelessness and unconcern. All we'd had to worry about then is death, right? But that's coming too. No man knows it. Not the wisest, not the most spiritual. We have faith that there will be such a day, but none knows when it will be. None knows. Not the angels and their great knowledge, but even they are told. None knows but my Father only. This is one of those secret things which belongs to the Lord our God. The uncertainty of the time of Christ's coming makes the saved more watchful. Now, did you get that? What should it do for the saved? Knowing the day is unknown, but knowing it's soon, it should make us more watchful. More watchful. But to those with no spiritual discernment, you know what it makes them? Just the opposite. More careless, more unconcerned. Why should it make us more determined? How many more days do we have? How many more days do we have to evangelize and disciple our kids? I'll tell you, when it comes to your kids, you've got them about that long and then they're gone. So as the craziness, which we'll look at next week, unfolds, let us remember, the word of Christ is more sure and lasting than heaven and earth. Now, that that sounds like an impossibility, doesn't it? Let me read that again. The Word of Christ, the Word of God, is more sure and lasting than heaven and earth. What will remain when everything else is gone? The Word of God. Hath He spoken, and it has not happened? Let's put all our faith upon the Word of Christ. And not on the passing things of heaven and earth that have for so many years been settled, but will soon pass away. What we thought was settled forever will soon pass away. There may be greater trials and troubles yet before us. Amen? But rest assured, there is a certain day and hour fixed for the judgment to come. 
It's called the day of the Lord because it has been fixed and will not be altered. So, two questions in closing. Am I living daily in expectation of His sudden, imminent, and bodily return? The next time we meet together, Jan will sing a song, or next time we meet together, July the 16th, when we get back to this text. Jan's going to sing, sing the song, The Days of Noah. You know how it was in the day of Noah? They were doing everything except looking for the return of the Lord. So let me say it again. Am I living daily in expectation of His sudden, imminent, and bodily return? I've told you before, I love you enough to tell you, He is going to return or you're going to die, be buried, uh, buried, cremated, whatever the case may be. On the Lord's day, there'll be a resurrection of the dead and we'll all face the Lord in judgment. And then there'll be an eternity. So, we need to be thinking about death and we need to think about the Lord's return. Though one of those two things is going to happen, is it not? We should be looking forward to that. Or the last question is, or am I in grave danger because of the cares of this world and I am unconcerned that He is coming? So we're one or the other. We are either looking with expectation of His sudden imminent bodily return or we're unconcerned about his, his coming again, and in that regard, we'd be in grave danger. So I pray this morning that we would anticipate and look for the return of the Lord and live in holiness and godliness for God's glory.